Hi, I'm Diora, and this is Broccoli Book Club, a socially progressive podcast aimed at analysing timely and thought-provoking reads. This is the Book Club episode, where each month I'm joined by two guests and we dissect a book within the context of our lives. You can read along with us, make suggestions, send in your thoughts and comments via voice note. It's like a real book club, but in a podcast. The episode format is split into three sections. We start at the front cover, where we talk about our first impressions and expectations. Then we delve into the actual book, and finally end at the back, where we focus on our reflections and takeaways. This month, we're discussing Afropean, Notes from Black Europe, written by Jalak Prize winner, Johnny Pitts. Afropean sets out to explore Black Europe from the street up. The book is compiled of on-the-ground reports detailing Johnny's incredible journey as he backpacks through Europe and meets people from different backgrounds and communities. He visits countries such as the Netherlands, France, Sweden and Russia, learning about the histories of the black communities he comes across. As a photographer, Johnny also captures photographs to accompany the stories. Joining me in today's book club are Moya Lothian-McLean and Tony Phillips. Moya is the politics editor at Galdem magazine and also the host of Broccoli's brand new show, Human Resources, out next Thursday. And Tony, who you may remember from our What Have I Done book club episode, is the former CCO of Broccoli Content. So, let's delve into the front cover. I asked Moya and Tony if they would typically choose to read a book like Afropean. The thing is, at the moment, uh, we're a lot of us are hungry for knowledge and hungry for stories that represent ourselves. And honestly, I hadn't actually heard of Afropean, which is quite terrible because it's right in the genre of sort of books about travel and identity, which are two things that I really enjoy thinking, talking and reading about. So it was strange to me when it was put to me and it said, oh, this this book called Afropean. I was like, wow, don't know why I haven't heard of this. It's got lots of people that I read recommending it on the front cover and it sounds right on my street. So I think now, especially, I'm seeking out books that try and broaden my knowledge of, I guess, identities and the way we move around the world, which I'm already familiar with. But the short answer, yes, I would absolutely pick this book up if I saw it in the library. Yeah, me too. I mean, the the title itself was just so intriguing and it immediately drew me in. I mean, that exploration of what it is to be black and European, that's what I assumed it was going to be about. It's the stuff that I've been craving and looking for pretty much all my life in so many ways. So, yeah, absolutely the sort of book that I'd pick up. And what were your expectations from the title? You know, did you judge the book by its cover? It's hard to say because I think it was kind of a blank slate for me in the sense that much like Johnny, my conception of blackness in Europe, I had a bit more of an idea surrounding, you know, France and countries like that and a bit of an idea around Sweden because of a lot of the headlines and news that I followed as a journalist but it's also that a lot of these communities are often hidden from view in our popular conception of what's Europe and what's European and even what is a black person in Europe what is an Afropean I tried to go in with more of an open what will I discover as if I too was going on this backpacking journey with Johnny It was less that I had those set kind of, oh, this is what I'm going to get, and more that I just knew what I didn't know, if that makes sense. And that's really interesting. 
how did that change through the book, your uh, relationship with the term? So I think when Johnny talks about going to this Zap Mama gig, which is the person who coined the term Afropean, well, it was actually coined in the 90s, but they've kind of run with it. And he talks about how it's full of a lot of white people in interracial couples. It's this kind of idea that I think I've gleaned from festivals where it's often this slightly hippy-dippy, like, oh, well, I only see one race, the human race idea. I mean, that's what I started off with Afropean kind of being a concept of. And then by the end of it, it became far more of this concrete, no, this is a term to represent the sort of lost narratives and lost history and actually try and tie a lot of us to feeling European. But I also think maybe that I was disconnected from it because I happen to be English, white English mixed race. And I think being English sometimes can make you very disconnected to the idea of being European in general because that's a whole different like ball game. So when you mix that in with being black Caribbean and white English, you've got two different kind of things holding you back from perhaps connecting with the idea of Europe as a continent. So that was another factor. And would you say you both identify as European? Growing up for me in the sort of 70s and 80s, England was very much associated with the far right. And so I was much more comfortable identifying as British. You know, certainly by you know, my early 20s, I was a lot happier associating the term European to myself. I kind of embraced Europeanness before Englishness. And it was only really relatively recently with my own daughters when they wanted to draw St George's flags as we were watching a football match in the early 2000s, I had to sit and draw these George's flags. I never thought I would ever draw St George's flags. So their understanding of Englishness and embrace of Englishness and ownership of Englishness has kind of taught me a little bit. So time has kind of caught up with me. But yeah, I definitely identified as European. I agree with you totally that I've never identified as English, but I'm aware that I am. I identify as British. I don't want to be seen as English at all for the same reasons you just outlined, because I associate the concept of Englishness with a very small little country that managed to colonise a lot of other countries and sort of take from them, but also in itself has become much meaner and harder. Like the English to me are the epitome of what they call the unhappy traveller in the book. That person who goes around doesn't learn anything from their travelling and just takes their meanness and small-mindedness and hatred and bigotry with them and takes that on the people they meet while on their travels. And so I've never wanted to be English, but I think because I've had this kind of same idealised conception of Europe or at least being black or mixed race in Europe that Johnny does at the start of the book, so... I've been always been very aware that even though I identify as British and would love to think of myself as European, I don't feel like I personally have the trappings to do that. How do you think after reading the book, the idea of the Afropean identity sits with you? Is that something you can relate to? Yeah, I mean, just from my own point of view, let's have full disclosure. So the person in the book that Johnny refers to quite often is a writer called Carol Phillips, who's also my oldest brother. So I remember reading his book, The European Tribe. Of course I remember this. It was a really formative moment as a young man in my 20s when The European Tribe came out. You know, for me, the journey that he took us all on was just, I mean, it's such an enticing journey. It doesn't provide clear answers, 
but it provides such clarity from his own experiences and who he meets, who he encounters, what confuses him, what pisses him off. For me, I've got this kind of constant backwards and forwards between what I remember of the European tribe with my brother and his journey and what Johnny is now doing, sprinkling his perspective and his experiences over this very, very similar journey. Personally, I felt, yeah, I can identify with the term Afropean. I was shocked at how modest Tony had been, as that his older brother is Carol Phillips, the legendary novelist, playwright and essayist, who also happens to be Johnny's mentor. Carol wrote The European Tribe in 1987, an award-winning book of essays following his journey through Europe to seek personal definition within the parameters of growing up black in Europe. Carol was a big influence in the making of Afropean. And if you like Afropean, you should definitely add the European tribe to your reading list. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it, been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show. But my listeners wanted to write the ad for me. And here are some of the things they said. Not your regular juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. Oh, my God, A. Wow, your brother. What a legacy. <laughs> Two, do you think that, from reading Johnny's book, did you notice that continuation of, I guess, the Afropean identity? Do you think that it has calcified since then, or since your brother's book, or do you think that it's, I guess, fragmented more? Is it more present or not? I mean, at one point, Johnny did try and make a, a distinction. I think he was trying to say that my brother's journey was kind of into Europe and... Broadly speaking, I think he was saying that my brother was kind of, in many ways, interacting with white Europe, like he was using white Europe as a kind of anthropological study. But his journey was to look specifically at black Europe. I think things have changed. I think things have certainly moved on since then, and I'm fairly certain more Africans are now living in different parts of Europe. It's become perhaps a little bit more visible, but I sense that one of the great things in this book for me was Johnny going behind the curtains, as it were, and making Black Europe visible. That aspect of invisibility is just a constant all through this book where he just keeps taking you down back alleys or on that demonstration or into that club or into that cafe. I think he does that really, really well, just sort of winkling out, well, where are the Black people? And then when he gets there, he spends time and you really feel as if you're with him getting to know these people. I don't know if you found the same, Maya. Did you find that? Yeah, of course. That is one of the magic things about this book. He has a real gift for just talking to people. And it's a lot harder than people think it is, especially in like in modern day climate, because not everyone is that eager to chat to you. 
So I think it helps if you have a lovely, friendly northern accent, <laughs> which he does. If you've heard him speak, you want to talk to him. He's a very warm man. He also knows what to look for. It's like you said, he knows which back alleys might lead him down a path. And he also knows, I think, because he's grown up in a working class community where people are going to be and where the real stories are going to be that he needs to find in order to get to the truth of what is what is blackness in Europe right now? What are the identities that are there? And what is the experience that is dominating in these countries? Just some of the things that he finds, you know, when he's in a hostel in Stockholm, I won't spoil it, but talking to the two people there that he meets in day and night, it's just a fascinating contrast between two stories and a story of migration as well. Just so beautifully told that until halfway through, you don't realise all the layers to it. And you're like, oh my God, I see what he's telling us. Uh, <laughs> I see what he's found here. It's how he could, as you say, winkle out those things and also be open to them. Because I also think that's something it taught me is about travelling, especially if you're travelling and you're a person of colour, being open to those opportunities is, and those opportunities to talk to people rather than closing yourself off. Because again, this is something I think we get in England. It's very like you're... When you travel, you're meant to just kind of stick to the pre-forged routes and you're not meant to like interact with other people. And there's always like a watch your bag, watch your purse kind of mentality. Whereas this is more like have a bite to eat, take what that person offers you, take the piece of chorizo that's being given to you in this community in Lisbon, you know, and you never know what you're going to discover. It's a whole story. The other really great thing about Johnny is that not only is he just that sort of likeable character that people are kind of willing to talk to and open up. But, of course, it didn't take me long to remember. This book is full of photographs. They're his photographs, and he's a brilliant photographer. But he actually uses that skill, I think, as a photographer all the way through this book. And one of my favourite bits, I'm just going to read this little bit, if I may. It was in Brussels, and he's in some... I think he's in a little cafe, this place called Matonge, which is the black part of Brussels, and he says this, and th this is just really what he does all the way through the book, I think. He just uses that photographer's eye and just turns it into really, really great writing. He just describes a scene at the very end of this chapter. Two young white men and a black man were laughing over a beer and a group of Congolese men were playfully arguing about something or other, football perhaps. A black man and a mixed-race woman with short hair shared dinner and a young black woman sat alone reading a book. This was it, I thought. This was Afropia. He does that so well. It's just like panning a, a movie camera across a scene. His eye for detail is so enticing, and he just kept drawing me in all the time. I thought it was wonderful detail in here. Loved it. On that quickly is when he gets off the train in Paris, and he goes... There's so many more black people than he remembered being there before. And he was like, because I was actually looking for them this time. And suddenly he noticed everyone. And I think that's it. He's open to the detail. And he, as you said, he records it so beautifully. But it's also when you start looking for communities, then suddenly they turn up. Something I did notice at the start, and as you went on the journey as well, is that journey almost away from the American conception of blackness. At the start, it's very all consuming bits because it's what I think Johnny's gone in thinking about a lot because obviously his father's from America and he was thinking of Paris as this kind of like it was the space where all the African-American intellectuals went and he talks about a lot but as it goes on he starts sort of discovering Europe in its own terms and getting more of an idea of that then he moves away of that conception of blackness and the comparison between the two 
and further into sort of the countries on their own terms, which I thought was really interesting. So what were the emotions that you felt while reading this book? I pretty much went through what he went through, which is at times, you know, you do feel angry, you feel lonely, you feel disappointed, you feel elated. But I was overwhelmingly happy to just journey with him, just sitting on his shoulder. It was such a privileged position, but he just kind of very deftly brought me into his emotions. I just went with it. Very odd experience in a book this long <laughs> to just keep going with <laughs> with the writer without lobbing the book over the, you know, across the room. What about you, Moya? Very similar. I think because you're on that journey and you're on that travel, and it's, it's sort of an odyssey that not many of us can do for a start because... Also, interrailing is not allowed anymore. But also, just in practical terms, it takes that person being able to go on that journey to make this special alchemy of sort of detail, ingredients and observations and also telling the history and story. I think also something I had, as well as the anger at the collective discrimination that is rife across the continent, was longing. I wanted to be doing it myself as well and I wanted to not have this exact same journey because you can't replicate that, but just the ability to go out and explore and find communities with people who looked like me or had the heritage I had. One of the things that especially struck me was how Johnny is mixed race. And I think there's no hard line between when someone stops being black and someone starts being mixed race and trying to define that is just absolutely useless. But when you are someone who identifies more as mixed race due to the way that blackness is codified and you know that you can't claim full blackness. Tapping into like the history of mixed race people on the continent as well is just really exciting because you have that root there and you have kind of sort of like, oh, this is this is my sort of like wider heritage, the legacies that I'm into. I think it was longing to want to go on these journeys. Even Moscow, I'd still like to go to Moscow despite his description of it, which was the bleakest thing ever. Oh my God. I have to say, I felt so angry when I was reading this book. And I know that's a weird emotion to pick up on, but I think I just felt angry at how little I knew. And at first I was like, well, is it my fault? Why haven't I done this research? Why haven't I read up on Black European history? But why have I never come across any of this? And it just made me so angry at how little we know and how little of this is taught in our curriculum. When we're taught about Second World War and things that happened in the 20th century, we're just not taught about the colonization part. I felt like I've gone to a lot of these places that Johnny has gone to, and I'd never even picked up on anything that he was describing. And again, that comes from my own ignorance and never having to question that. And I think it's left such a big impact on me that now whenever I will go to a European city, I will look for the black history that actually has shaped that city. So one thing that really struck me about Afropean was, well, I've mentioned how little I knew and how shocking that was. Um, but I think especially when it comes to countries like the Netherlands and Belgium and countries which are usually seen as these super friendly, tolerant countries. And I just didn't understand the extent of the horrific colonial past of those countries. And I was wondering what stuck out for you in particular when reading Afropean. I think for me, it was probably, I know it sounds like a buzzword, but honestly, diversity within the black community. It was so interesting reading it and just seeing like bringing different communities and different people from different places to life in a way that I think a non-white author wouldn't have done. 
the black community is often seen as homogenous by outsiders. So there's no care to separate the different beliefs of people or the different approaches of people. And what Johnny does is really like go into these places and say, well, this man actually doesn't like the Somali community, but the Somali community are great. And this is what they, the Angolans think of the Cape Verdeans. And like showing there is this diversity and people come from different places for different reasons. And also that migration, you know, is happening to different countries because of that colonial past and their specific links with those countries. So I think it's in Amsterdam, it's the Surinamese, which is just so interesting. Like I'd never heard in depth about the history of that country before at all, which is my own ignorance. But it's just finding that community and looking at that specific past and shining the light on their migration journey, but also their links to Europe in the way that he does and brings it home. Like, this is their home. This is where they've grown up and making them part of that country and that country's tangled past. That really stuck out. It was that care and that detail and the bringing to life of individual stories as a community that was really special. For me, it's the fact that he humanised their experiences and their lives and their families and their thoughts and their fears. It was really bringing deep humanity to the visibility of black people in very, very recognisable European settings. Amsterdam, Paris, Berlin. I've been to Berlin maybe six or seven times and I didn't know about the places that he was talking about. Jamaica. Like Yam. 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 I mean, just yeah. amazing with the, with the Rastafari stuff. community. Yes, I. You know, it was just amazing. It's telling the world it's simply not enough. That kind of superficial thing, almost virtue signaling of having the one black hire, the two black hires, and a nation. One needs to see people as fully rounded human beings. We're not just here as window dressing. That's, I think, what he was just fantastic at doing. He just humanised the black experience. And finally, we've reached the back of the book. So these are our reflections. I don't have one, but it was two-pronged. One was, and they're in parallel, it's about travel and it's about migration. It is about borders. And it's about how everyone moves and everyone travels and everyone should have the freedom to do that. And the fact that we tell people there are these golden countries in Europe that they should be moving to from different places, especially if they are black migrants from perhaps Africa, which is a lot of the demographics that Johnny meets in the book. And then they get there and they're just, they're made to live a life as almost second-class citizens. And that doesn't mean that they have lives that are not completely enjoyable, but they can be very hard and they are economically deprived and these countries want to forget that they are there and they shunt them out into projects that were built in, you know, the 1980s and never quite finished or things that were just like made just enough for them. So they're either living in terrible conditions or they're living in just okay enough conditions. Then over the years, and it's really coming to a peak now, the long-term effects of creating essentially an entirely separate community with its own economy and its own self-sufficiency are coming into fruition and the only time these people are allowed to integrate is either if they completely assimilate and become akin to the white liberals who sort of rule you know it's become like us and then you can join us rather than being able to retain their own identities and own I guess cultures in the same way and not have to renounce everything that their heritage is like the girl in Stockholm 
or they are just sort of left to rot, I think Johnny puts it when he goes to France. So that was one aspect. And the other one was, I just want to give people the opportunity to travel. I just think there should be some sort of fund or subsidy that lets specifically young black individuals travel around places like Europe, places that are close to them, and doesn't just take them on, you know, it's fun to go to Ibiza and you can definitely do that and we'd let you do that, but just sends them on like a trip and says, look, here's some money. Here's, here, like your brother said, Tony, here's some money, get a train ticket, go around, because it's not as affordable anymore. It's not as easy, but everyone should have the joy of doing it. And when I've been able to go around places like Europe, it fills you with something nothing else does, that idea of travelling and being free and meeting other people from different cultures and meeting those communities. Travel is such a privilege now, and i just love to give more people that. I think that's a great suggestion. But I would also say, once you get there, I would love for people to come back. You can't, if you go on these things, if you go on a travel scholarship, you have to come back with interviews. You have to go and meet people. And by meeting people, it means that you have to listen to them. You have to allow people to tell you their stories. You have to find out what's happened to those people, how their families ended up in Amsterdam or Rotterdam or Berlin. And I think that's the one single overriding takeaway for me is that Johnny did that. He wasn't really about going to Europe and telling them all about himself. He went and he sat and he listened. He ate a lot, he drank a lot, he smoked a little bit. But, you know, fundamentally, he was there to find out. Yeah, absolutely. And what's the one word that you'll use to summarise Afropean and why? Ooh. So I can start if you want. Um, so my word is abundant. There's so much information in this book. And for me, it's a starting point for so many people to go and explore the histories that Johnny has written about. And I hope, as I mentioned before, it's a starting point for lots of academics, historians to read this and be really inspired to go and then do more research. I feel like this is just the beginning I think my word is evocative in that you could taste, you could smell, you could see what he was seeing. You could feel the sweat at the gigs he was going to, get the dust particles from those stuffy colonial lions and the Belgian museums. So I think it's evocative and it makes you want to be where he is and it makes you want to be talking to the people he is and it makes you want to be having those experiences that make your life actively richer and more well-informed and gives you the life education that everyone goes on about, that mystical thing, you know. When you experience things, when you experience life, that's experiencing life. And my mother always used to say to me, you know, she always talks about when she went travelling. She always talks about her period of travelling. She went travelling for quite a long time because she used to work in hotels around the world. And so it was always drilled into me that travel was an amazing thing to do. But obviously as you get older and in the climate I was growing up in, there's just no money. I think that's something that has stayed with us. And even now when the sanitised travel blogging and things like that, there is still that knowledge that going travelling, that is what's going to give you some life experience, you know, that excitement. And you can understand why the Gap Yard kids want to do it forever. So I think evocative, that is the word I would choose. It was fully there in your face and I'd just love to do that. I'd say timely because there's a thirst and a hunger from black people, wherever they are, the African diaspora, wherever we are, there's this deep, deep hunger for knowledge of history, knowledge of identities and connections as well. How we are actually all connected 
in some shape or form. I think John is in so many ways doing us all a massive service by allowing us to go on this journey with him and learn. And I just think as well for white readership, for any readership, the knowledge that he's got and the experiences that he's put together in this book are just invaluable for everybody. It's timely. It needs to be read. If there's one person you'd want to share this book with, who would it be and why? Tommy Robinson. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I thought about that as like a joking thing and I thought, no, I actually bloody would give him this book. There was a video of him on a holiday the other day and I don't think it's the job of anyone to educate racists and I personally think he's probably far too gone. Just someone like that maybe reading this and having a little look at their, maybe the way they travel as well, have them think a little bit more, just a little bit, about black people and their place in the continent, which is just as well-deserved as his. So, yeah, I'd give it to him. I think there are particular challenges for young black men. And I've got a young black man. He's only 12. I would love my son to read this. I think in terms of him navigating his own way through growing up and being an Afropean, perhaps, himself, if he chooses that identity... I just think it could help to answer quite a few questions about how to be a young black man in Europe. It's so interesting. I feel like we've had such different responses to this question. I want to give this book to my best friend, Carly. We've done a lot of travelling across Europe together and hopefully her reading this book, it will mean that the journeys that we take when we are abroad will be very, very different. Lucky Carly. I bet any money there's going to be some tours now that we set up that go around the Afropean route and it's going to be a, you can choose your three-day stay hopping between Berlin, France, somewhere. That would be quite a good thing for Johnny to do, actually, Afropean tours. And you choose your route and you get a small interim ticket. Anyway, but dreams for the future. I hope the work Johnny has done is a starting point for many European historians to start looking into the past of their own countries and local communities. It's not black history in Spain or black history in France. It's French history. It's Spanish history. It's our history. I want to say thanks to Moya and Tony for coming on today's show. And thank you for listening to Broccoli Book Club. In next month's book club, we'll be discussing In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. So get reading now and send in your thoughts and comments via voice note to voicenote at broccolicontent.com. Don't forget to share the podcast and join the conversation using the hashtag Broccoli Book Club. And if you liked what you heard, why not leave a review on your favourite podcast app? I've been your host, Diora. You can find me on Twitter at the Diora. Broccoli Book Club is produced by Jaja Mohammed, assistant produced by Rory Boyle, executive produced by Renee Richardson and mixed by Ben Williams. This is a Broccoli Production.